black woman, beautiful, powerful, resilient female of African descent with skin kissed by the sun. Conversation, a talk, especially an informal one between two or more people in which news and ideas are exchanged. We love being black women. Black women are ambitious. Black women are confident. Black women are diligent. We are tenacious. We walk out of our houses put together. We are many shades and personalities of fabulous. But we as black women don't talk about our dilemmas, current events, and what's going on every day that affects us. So we created this podcast as a way to laugh together, cry together, and have an open conversation about life as black women. Oh, that's deep. Black Women Conversations. Hey, Nicole. Hey, Janine. How's your week been? The week has been okay. I was in uh, San Francisco for the Society for Maternal Fetal Medicine Conference um, that I just got back from. And I know I sound like, I just got back from this conference, right? Well, one, because it's a California conference. So nobody really likes to fly across country and lose like three hours, right, each way for a conference that's relatively short. Two, the recruiter that I was with came back with covid So I'm getting phone calls the day after I got back that says, hey, you've been exposed to COVID because, you know, you've been around me a lot of the time. So if you haven't have symptoms, you know, please let let me know if you test positive and you may not need to be at work. Obviously, I don't have COVID, so that's good. Um, But it's still like, you know, do I retest? You know, how often do retests? Do I test Harrison? You know, it's just a lot to think about. So, y'all, COVID is still out here. Take precautions, and if people are sneezing and coughing, just get away from them because I understand allergies are in the air now, but COVID is still really real, and people aren't really testing like that, so nobody really knows if they have it or if they don't have it. So I um, am planning to test again tomorrow evening just to make sure. But on another note, I did sign Harrison up for T-Ball. I know. I'm so excited uh, that he is going to be, one, meeting other kids his age because, you know, he's an only kid. And then two, I'm hoping that he has a, at least a little athleticism in his blood. Just just a little bit, right? I mean, he can run really fast, so hopefully he can, you know, adjust to that. So we'll see. But that's been pretty much my week. It's been recruiting and Harrison land. That's pretty much it. How's your week been? Okay, let's go back. First of all, I'm super excited that Harrison signed up for T-Ball. That's super exciting. At least he will learn like hand-eye coordination because, you know, that'll, you know, teach him like, you know, how to hit the ball and stuff. And even if he's not good at T-Ball, there's so many other sports like soccer out there that he can play. And he's little. He could be a gymnast, you know. He might be good at gymnastics. Uh, so uh, it's a no for gymnastics. I am not putting him in gymnastics. Why? Well, you know, first of all, that is a lot. One, little boys in gymnastics, you know, they're usually having to pick people up and throw people. One, that's uh, that's a lot of uh, accidents that could happen. I'm not trying to anything that's like contact like I'm not putting him in. I'm sorry. Mm. I'm not. I'm that mom that has this one child that almost almost died having. And so contact sports or anything that he is going to have to be the person throwing somebody up. Absolutely not. Pick somebody else. He's not not my child. He's not going to do that. Mm-mm. Okay. What what sports is he going to be in with no contact though, Nicole? Is he going to be a track star? Yes. He's going to run. He can play golf. He can play tennis. 
all these no contact sports. You can't even play baseball. I just don't want him playing like big time contact sports. Nicole, I I just want you to like revisit that soccer is not very much a contact sport. Yeah, there is some contact, but if you really look, like I'm pretty sure that more people and this is not scientific because I haven't looked it up, but I'm pretty sure more people get hurt in so- in like you know baseball than than soccer. And what happens if he's like just a really good tight end and he is going to play football? Like you're not going to let your son play football like at all? He's not going to play football at all. Mm-mm. So what about a PE? Like how are you going to stop that? Like you're going to be like, no, you're gonna, you could be the only little boy that's not playing football with the with the kids. It's not like in PE class you're playing football. Like you got to try for the football team. No football in PE. So let me tell you this. When I was young and in private school like Harrison is as an only child, you know where I got to play football? At PE. Well, I'm going to pray on it. Like, listen, <laughs> that, we're not to that point yet. But speaking of football, because, mm-hmm. you know, we just watched two black quarterbacks play in the yes. Super Bowl, which is amazing. This Super Bowl was historic. So first, Nicole, you said two black quarterbacks faced off, right? So there have been black quarterbacks in the Super Bowl before, right? But these were the starting quarterbacks that faced off. So it was Patrick Mahomes. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. And Jalen Hurts. So I will say this also. We have to remember, and this is something that I actually didn't remember until I was, you know, reading two seconds before this episode. I'm like, we got to talk about the historic nature of this Super Bowl. This is not just historic because it's a first, but it's historic because there was a time where we could not play in the NFL. And now we have two black quarterbacks that faced off. And for those who want to sit and complain about the fact that Patrick Mahomes is mixed, we can't use the black drop of blood to benefit us and then not use it when it doesn't benefit us. He's black. So let, let it go. But also let's talk about the history that was made with the flyover. So this year, I believe marks the 50th anniversary of women being allowed into the Navy. And so the flyover of the planes at the beginning of the Super Bowl was an entirely female pilot crew. First of all, There are very few times where there are are women just in the military in general. Like there, obviously there are a lot more men in the military, but the Navy more specifically has fewer women. And then to have them all be pilots and then do the flyover of the Super Bowl, that's huge. Like it's amazing. And I think the thing that I was most excited about is the Eagles assistant coach. Her name is Autumn Lockwood and she is a black woman and she is the first black woman to coach in a Super Bowl. So history making for black people, history making for women and history making for black women. I mean, this was a great Super Bowl. No, it was good. It was definitely good. Uh, Both teams played obviously very well. Um, I did not know that about the flyover. I had no idea about that. So Janine, thanks for breaking that history down. That is amazing. Uh, I think that more women probably should be in the military. I don't know. I feel like women leaders just make everything much better. I said it. I just do. I think we're more organized. I think that we're much better leaders and we're much better than men at leading men. Let's go back to the fact that Rihanna comes out and everyone's like, why is she not dancing so much? Why should, because we used to, let's talk about this for a second. We are used to Rihanna gyrating on a stage and we've been waiting for Rihanna to 
give us music for so long that we were looking for a show. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. While y'all are out there on, you know, this good internet talking about Rihanna, I enjoyed the halftime show. Now, was it the greatest halftime show I've ever seen? Of course not. But was it good? 100%. It was good. Two things. One, she showed us that she's pregnant. Again. Which, Nicole, I really wanted to ask you, like, did she wait to six weeks? Because I feel like that baby is not old enough for her to be that far along pregnant. Now, I'm assuming, I'm guessing about how far along pregnant she is, but she's showing. So, from my understanding, for you to be showing that you're pregnant, you got to be a little bit far along. So, I would like to think that she waited her, how, what are you, what are you supposed to wait, six weeks? And I was just talking to a friend about how she's having Irish twins. Did she just have that other baby in like November or something like that? Okay, so I just looked it up. She had the the first baby in May. Okay, so it's been longer than we thought. So she had that baby in May. Okay, 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 okay. So that baby is, you know, eight months old. You know, that eight, nine months. You know, that baby's older. But I don't feel like she just got pregnant because that baby bump was bumping. Okay. She got to be 20 weeks. It, she was definitely bumping around. And for you to show like that, you got to, you know, 20 weeks is at the, um, at the belly button, which we call the umbilicus. That's what I was about to say. But she has to be with that curve of the belly somewhere in that range. In addition to the fact that she was showing off her baby bump, which was phenomenal, by the way, I felt it was done in a very classy manner. She also, you know, that big red like coat that she wore. If you remember, I don't know if you remember, but Andre Leon Talley, who we lost, I believe last year or the year before. I'm not sure which year we lost him. Um, But huge fashion icon specifically for, you know, African-Americans. He was, I believe, the editor in chief of Vogue at one point. He wore this same, you know, I don't know if it was the same designer, but this big puffy red coat And she wore it. And I feel like it was her little nod to him, which was super dope, you know, because she's into fashion, too. So I thought that was super dope. I think it was just so much that was happening at the Super Bowl this year that it was great. But I was a little disappointed in the commercials. Nothing really, like, stood out to me. So there were several commercials that I was like, that was super funny or that was super creative. But you're right. There weren't a lot. Like, I did like the Dunkin' Donuts commercial with Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez do you remember that commercial? I do. So he's like I working at Dunkin' Donuts and he's taking orders and she comes up in the drive-thru and she's like, okay, so is this what you do all day when you say you're working? And he was like, oh man, you know, y'all I'm caught. I need to go. And she's like, okay, grab me a glaze. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was a super cute commercial. That was cute. I will give you that one. That one was cute. But do you remember any other ones? <sighs> you know, if you hadn't asked me, I probably could have because I remember scoping for the commercials. Because I like the Super Bowl commercials. I mean, that's half the reason you watch the Super Bowls for the commercials. But you're right. Like, I can't remember. I don't remember any of them being awful. But they definitely weren't, like, very risque or very, like, boom, in your face like they usually are for the Super Bowl. The only other commercial that I remember was the Farmer's Dog commercial because, you know, I'm obsessed with dogs. So, and if I could have all the dogs, I would. But the Farmer's Dog commercial where they showed, like, the dog growing up. And then it showed that the little girl who had the dog, she had her own baby now. And then they were all cuddling together with the dog. I thought that was so cute. But then there were some, there, there was a set of Jesus commercials where Ken and I had a long conversation about this. Look, I think that if we can 
spread the love of Jesus at any place, at any time. I think that's amazing. But I don't know how I feel about those commercials. And I'm going to say this. I don't know how I feel about the commercials based on some research that I did about the organization. But look, if it draws people to Christ, by all means, have all the Jesus commercials in the world. But they spend a lot of money promoting Jesus. I just, you know, hope that they promote Jesus the correct way. What was the commercial about about Jesus? I don't remember any Jesus commercials. So if you have, I mean, I'm sure when you're driving, you see these big giant billboards that say like Jesus saves or Jesus is on our side. Or I don't remember what the exact messages were, but they were very like straightforward and clear. Not a whole bunch of fluff in the Super Bowl. I'll have to share them with you so you can see. But they were basically just straightforward messaging about the Lord or Jesus specifically, I think. And I'll send it to you. But then when you do a little bit of digging into the organization that's behind it, that's when things get a little like, eh, not 100% sure where this is going or the motive behind it. Look, I'm I'm here to promote the Lord, here to promote, you know, Jesus. But I just want to, I just, my concern to Ken's point, this is, and Ken and I talked about this earlier. Ken's point was, if it's helping people to see Jesus, then great. Like, you know, the messaging after that isn't really relevant. But my thing is, I don't want us to have to bait people for Jesus, right? Like, I feel like you should just give the straight facts and then people can make their decision on their own. So I don't know how I feel about it. I'm not going to say that it's bad. I'm not going to say that it's good. It just was different to me, I guess. It was different. Well, I definitely did not see that commercial. And, you know, hopefully, you know, if if, if, they're, if they're entertaining people for Jesus, hey, listen, go ahead and do it. We entertain people for everything else. So... I'm for it, but I'm wondering how much does it cost to run an ad during the Super Bowl? Because I'm, I'm pretty sure that was a pretty pricey message to deliver during that time. But hey, it's called He Gets Us, right? So I think that my struggle with the messaging is that it's very focused on us and not focused on him, right? Like if we're going to promote the Lord, we should be promoting the Lord and him and not us necessarily. But again, I'm not knocking anyone's message or how God gave them their message. I'm not knocking it because guess what? If it's going to help some of these people turn their lives in the right direction, I am here for it. I'm not knocking anybody's message or the way that the Lord gave it to them. All I'm saying is, I don't know how I feel about it. That's it. But Janine, we do have to go back to how your week was because you sort of skimmed over that before going to the Super Bowl. It was good. I had some health struggles this week and it was, you know, it's nothing uncommon. So it feels very uneventful to me, but yeah, it was good. And I have a doctor's appointment. I'll give y'all an update next week. Well, the good thing is that you have a doctor's appointment and you are going, I'm so proud of you for being compliant and listening to your body and getting help. Keep her in prayer. Keep us both in prayer, but keep her in prayer. We need to make sure that you are getting the help that you need so that we can be doing this podcast forever. Yes, I'm getting older, y'all. The moral of the story is Janine is getting older. And the things that I used to be able to overlook until, you know, I couldn't overlook them anymore, that doesn't work as well these days. And my body doesn't bounce back as fast as it used to. And I'm not one to slow down. But you know what? I saw something this week. One of the things that I saw was everyone talks about how you just need to slow down, but we don't even know how to do that. And it's true. Like I struggle. I can't express to you all how much I struggle with what I feel is boredom when I don't have anything to do. 
which is very rare, right? But when I have like a free couple of moments, it feels like, okay, I'm bored. I should be doing something. And it's really not boredom because I'm not actually ever bored. It's just I'm used to being busy. And how do we not be busy? We have to train ourselves the same way that I've, you know, trained myself for 39 years to be active and not have, you know, an idle mind. You also got to train yourself to be comfortable with peace and quiet and silence and stillness. And I haven't trained myself well on that. So I'm struggling with that. So not to make any excuses for myself, but I feel like if I learn that lesson, then I will be better with my health. And also, I think that my body is so used to like things not necessarily being 100% right that it just kind of like, you know, passes, skips over. It doesn't necessarily tell me red flag, red flag, something is wrong. So yeah, but I'm, but I'm, I'm working on it. I'm going to be very diligent about it because I keep telling myself that I'm going to do better and I haven't done better. And, you know, one of the things that's a pet peeve of mine is when people say that they're going to do something and they don't do it. So I can't keep saying that I'm going to do something and not get better at it. So yes, I have gone to the hospital and trying to figure it out. And they said, schedule a doctor's appointment. So I scheduled a doctor's appointment. So we're going to figure this out. And look, if we can't figure it out, it's not going to be because Janine didn't go to the doctor. We can say that. So proud. But yes, give us an update next week, Jenny. I shall. So what is on our timeline? I almost don't even want to ask you about the timeline. That's how disturbed I am about the timeline story. But okay, Jenny, fill the people in. So all y'all, while you're out here getting your $12,000 Beyonce tickets, Tiffany Montgomery is on our timeline. Now, I don't expect y'all to know who Tiffany Montgomery is because I didn't know who she was. I never heard of her. Don't even recognize her face until I just kept seeing her in this sleeveless, purpley, frilly dress with a tattoo on her arm. And I say these things because these are typically the things that in the church people have problems with. So y'all will understand once I get into the story. So Tiffany is on our timeline and According to her website, for y'all who are like me and didn't know who she was, according to her website, she's the founder and CEO of the Millions Conference, which is an entrepreneurial kind of event that helps entrepreneurs learn how to influence millions, as her website says, make millions and win millions to Christ. So prior to this Millions Conference, she also founded um, the Kingdom Entrepreneur University And she is the founder of Covered by God, which is a prophetic teaching ministry that is what brought our timeline today. So Tiffany Montgomery has graced our timeline for rebuking Christians for going to Beyonce concerts. So in her message, the the message was titled Altered at the Alta, A with an A, not an E-R. She posted this video on her own page. So we are taking it straight from the horse's IG page. So this is not hearsay. This is what she posted, right? And here's kind of what it says. Um, So the beginning, she says, any of you who are going to the Beyonce concert, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. How dare you call yourself Christian, she asked. And then she says, I don't care what pastor you got that thinks that they're okay with it. I don't care what pastor you got that thinks it's cool. I don't care what pastor you got that is singing along to their songs because they want some clout, which is interesting because 
why she's talking about Beyonce when the Beyonce concert is coming up and it's right before Super Bowl. It seems a little bit clout chasing to me, but I won't put my mouth on the, the woman of God. But it does seem a little bit of cloud chasing to me. So it's kind of ironic that she says that pastors talk about Beyonce and sing them wrong to Beyonce and are okay with Beyonce because they want clout because she seems to be the one that's kind of cashing in on the clout here. But I digress. So then she goes on to accuse Beyonce of being a witch. She also calls her out and Jay-Z for that matter for allowing Jay-Z or her allowing Jay-Z, her husband, or Jay-Z referring to himself as Hove. Because she says it's short for Jehovah, which look, we get it. It's a play on words, but it's a lot of things that people do that are a play on words and not for nothing. But there are a lot of people whose name is Jesus, which is Jesus. Again, don't know if it has anything to do with anything, but this is her take on it. Right. She also accuses them of witchcraft. She goes as far to say that Beyonce is the devil's messenger. She says that the beehive is that it's a witch's coven. And she says that a witch's coven are normally three to seven people. And when it becomes thousands, it's called a hive. She then goes on to continue to rebuke those who claim to be a part of the beehive and ask them, how do you call yourself a Christian? So as you can imagine, Beyonce's internet attacked her because, you know, let's be real. Beyonce has a chokehold on the internet and they attacked her and they did what the internet does. And they pulled up receipts and they pulled up receipts and by receipts, I mean tweets from 2012 and 2014. So the 2012 tweet says, and this is 2012 tweet from Tiffany, by the way, a few gospel tunes because we love Jesus. Some Beyonce hits because we stand like, you know, stand like a big fan for that. And it's spelled B-I-S-H. Y'all know what she's saying. And some reggae, because we from the rock. That was the 2012 tweet. The 2014 tweet says, got a chance to catch the Jay-Z and Beyonce concert, and it was amazing. So clearly at some point, she was part of the beehive. Maybe it's me, but it sounds like that. So Tiffany responded to Beyonce's internet pulling up her old tweets. She responded on Facebook, and she said, she found it offensive that people were pulling up her old tweets. And then she said, I got saved in 2015. So I guess when she got saved in 2015, that's when she stopped becoming a Beyonce fan. I don't know. But that's how she starts it off. And then goes on to say that these retarded tweets I wrote were in 2012 and 2014. Now, she used the word retarded, which why in 2023 we would use that word in this context is beyond me. And to be very honest with you, it feels very much like we are trying to grasp at straws here to try to save this message that you claim that God gave you. But again, Janine is not putting her mouth on the woman of God, just saying the things that I notice. And then she says, she used to love Beyonce and Jay-Z. She goes on to say a bunch of other sinful slash ungodly things that she used to love too, but basically saying that she used to love it. And now that she's saved, she doesn't love those things anymore, which is possible. But I think it's a bit far to go from, I used to love Beyonce and Jay-Z to now Beyonce and Jay-Z are witches in the devil or the devil's messenger. She claims that God gave her the message 
that she was sharing on her IG and that she was sharing it as she heard it. She goes on to say that Beyonce is not a Christian according to the standard of the Bible. She says a whole bunch of other stuff, but if we were going to go through all of that, we would be here all day. So before we get into all of that, I'm just going to go over a few points because I'm going to let you tell us how you feel, Nicole. Here are the things that stuck out to me, right? And these are just a, a few points that stuck out based on her rant. So in her original point, she talks about how Beyonce has thousands of followers and that's what makes it a hive. And she's a witch because, you know, witches coven and blah, 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 blah. I went to Tiffany's IG page, her website, her YouTube page, and she too has thousands of followers herself. And when I go through her page and it talks about the things that she does, she talks about herself. She talks about money. She talks about how she can help you and teach you. And even in the the chronology of how she lists things on her page, God tends to be last. So not for nothing, not to say that she's cloud chasing, but it's just something that I notice. So another thing that I notice is her point about Beyonce not being a Christian. So number one about this, we're not supposed to judge people. The Bible says that through and through. We all know we not we don't have a heaven or a hell to put people in like the old folks used to say. And we're not about to judge whether Beyonce is a Christian or not. As far as I'm concerned, if Beyonce says she's a Christian, she's a Christian. If she says she's not a Christian, she's not a Christian. It is not our our position to tell anyone whether they are a Christian or not. And I think that it's very interesting because while people think that going to church and believing in God and all of those like religious things make you a Christian, that's not actually what the Bible says. A Christian is something that is really interesting concept, right? So it's not just believing in Christ. It's supposed to be, according to the Bible, someone who has the heart of Christ and the behavior is reflective of Christ. So not to be a member of the beehive, but I don't know about Beyonce's heart. None of us do, right? That's something that she has to to deal with with God, right? But her behavior seems to be pretty reflective of what I think Christ would do if he was here walking the earth these days. And I'm going to just give you a couple of things. So in 2013, she launched the Be Good, you know, B-E-Y, Good organization, right? And it's a nonprofit that helps get people employment. It provides clothing, counseling, housing, food, and medical assistance for people who are in need. She also, we have to recall, after the earthquake in Haiti, she helped with the earthquake in Haiti. Don't really have nothing to do with her, but she helped with the earthquake in Haiti. Jay-Z, her husband, who, again, is wrapped up into this because Tiffany wrapped him up into it. Jay-Z helped the bailout in Baltimore. Do you remember when the Black Lives Matter protests were happening and, you know, protesters were getting uh, getting locked up in jail? He helped to bail them out. And he set up a trust fund for Sean Bell's children. Sean Bell was the unarmed man who was shot and killed on his wedding day, if you remember. Again, they've done so much that I could be going on for days about this. But we can't forget about the Survivor Foundation that they put together back in 2005 for the victims of Hurricane Katrina. Beyonce also partnered with The Goodwill to help provide job training and placement for people. And she donated millions to Phoenix House, which is a rehab center, and opened up an affiliate cosmetology school. And we can't forget about their criminal justice fund. And 
we have to remember that she founded the Knowles Place Apartments, which is an apartment complex for 43 different families that were displaced from Hurricane Katrina. So I'm not saying that this makes her a Christian. Please understand that. Because if Beyonce, she could be a Muslim, she could be anything, and she could still do good in, in the world, right? But what I am saying is, if we're talking about people's behavior speaking to whether they are a Christian or not, and their behavior being reflective of what Christ would do, seems like it aligns there, but that's just me. So my last thing to address that Tiffany said is this concept of not listening to secular music. Now, I feel like our show has become progressively more spiritual. And I don't know why. I guess it's because as we become more spiritual or we become older and we have a better relationship with God, maybe that's why our, our show has become more spiritual. But it feels like every week somehow God gets wrapped up into this. And maybe that's why we have it. Who knows? But I will say this, not to be all biblical, but the Bible does not actually speak about us listening to secular music. I dug through it. And we had a, Super Bowl party at the church today, right? So at that Super Bowl party, I asked the people who I know know the Bible better than me, who read the Bible three, four, five, six times cover to cover and preached the word every Sunday. And nobody found anything about it being a sin to listen to secular music. So if y'all have it, send it to us. I'm always open to learning, but I ain't see it. So while some people say that it's wrong to listen to kinds of music because it leads to wrong thoughts, they also use the scripture that talks about you know, what we feed our spirit, which is important, but they use it to try to justify this argument. It's not just about secular music, but it happens to go along with this, you know, argument. I think that we need to be reminded of a few things. First, God gives us free will and allows us to make our own decisions. That's not just with music. That's with everything. He, let, he allows us to make our own decisions. We know right from wrong. And if you feel like it's right for you to listen to secular music, then have at it. And if you feel like it's wrong for you to listen to secular music, then you probably shouldn't listen to it, right? God also gives us discernment. Discernment. That is important. That's our ability to be able to discern what is good for our spirit and what is not. So if it's not good for your spirit or there are things that you are struggling with and you might not be able to listen to secular music, then you shouldn't listen to it. And vice versa, if there's something I'm struggling with and I can't listen to secular music right now, then don't listen to it. But if it's not vexing my spirit and it's not harming me or tempting me in any way, then what's the harm? The last point is this thing is all about relationships, right? This thing that we call our spiritual journey, it's all about relationships, relationships with God, relationships with one another, relationships with our community. It's just about relationships. And when you have a relationship with God, you could be literally in the midst of hell and still be a witness. So going to a Beyonce concert, you could still be a witness to God. You don't have to be inside of the four church walls. So there's an author, his name is Tim Keller. And he said, it is a mistake for us to think that the Christian worldview is the only operating worldview that we should have. And that we that being overly Christian is somehow makes us better. God put us here for two things. Number one is to love him. And number two is for us to love our neighbors. 
that's it. That's 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 why we're here, right? And to be witness for him and all of those things. But those are you know secondary and tertiary things that we are supposed to be doing. This gospel music or secular music ain't changing one way or the other. That's not what this is. So as someone who's worked in entertainment for years, and I started my career working in gospel music, but I did not continue my career working in gospel music for over 20 years. I've worked in, in music, entertainment. It's, you're not going to go to hell. Like y'all don't go to a Christian restaurant, right? You don't go to a Christian car dealer. You're not going every place that you go was not Christian. So somebody has got to do the work, right? I mean, maybe it's me. Maybe y'all do go to the Christian restaurant and the Christian car dealer and the Christian grocery store only. Maybe you do. I don't. I live in a world where I interact with people who might not have the same belief as I do. But the goal is for my life to be reflective of Christ so that we're drawing people to Christ and we are not being a hindrance to them. Maybe maybe it's me. Maybe maybe I'm the only one. There are also times, so working in the industry, there are things where you understand like, okay, maybe this isn't right for my spirit. There are things that have been like, oh, this is uncomfortable. I don't need to be here. But there are also times where you realize that you've been placed in a specific situation because you're meant to be the light. And I think that not attending things like a Beyonce concert, because we somehow think that it's going to send us to hell is interesting. I mean, if you, if you're, again, if you're vexed by it, then don't go. But like, who's to say that you're not supposed to be the one that's the light in that situation? I also want to say this. Music is how people communicate. That's how, especially black, black folks, that's how we survived. That's how we escaped. That's how we expressed ourselves. And while all music isn't gospel, I'm not 100% sure I even understand the concept of secular music or that secular music is bad. I mean, I just feel like it's merely expressive. Like, if you're going through some hellish situation, yeah, you you know, gospel music might be uplifting to you, but if you are a writer and you're writing it out, that ain't going to look like gospel. If you're writing what you're going through, that's not going to look like gospel, but maybe it's me. I know this is a lot, Nicole. I know it's a lot. And, you know, one of my personal pet peeves just in general is when people cherry pick scriptures to fit what it is that their narrative wants to be. I know. But I feel like this is kind of what she's doing. She's cherry picking things because she realized that, you know, you talk about Beyonce and you you make a big stink about Beyonce. You're going to go viral. Now, you might go viral in a negative manner, but you're going to go viral. That's how I feel. Again, don't want to speak negatively of the woman of God. But what do you think, Nicole? Listen, I've learned a long time ago to ignore people that really don't matter. So I saw, you know, I saw that you shared that. I went through, watched, uh, listened to it. And I thought to myself, really? You know, now Beyonce can send us to hell. You know, if you have made God, Jesus, your Lord and Savior, you are saved. If you've said those words from your mouth, you are saved. Beyonce can't send you to hell. So I'm confused about what she's meaning because now it's a question of how do you get salvation? Because she's she's messing that all up, right? So the Bible tells us how we get salvation and it's not about avoiding Beyonce, okay? So um, I don't know what she's talking about. Obviously, if you're a Christian and you know, you know how you get to heaven and it is not avoiding Beyonce. Now, if you're not a fan of Beyonce, okay, that's fine. She didn't call out anybody else except for Beyonce. It gives me a little bit of pause that her bio, if you go to her bio, it says 
Christian should not be going to the Beyonce concert or something of that banner. Click the link to see full sermon. I mean, obviously, this is all, you know, almost like clickbait. This is to get views and this is to become viral because we know the more followers you have, the more likely you are to get endorsements and sponsors and things like that. She's revving up the followers, right? She's getting almost extremists. If you look at the comments, you know, repent now, you know, you need to be saved now. The end of the world is coming now. It's like these scare tactics that people are using to try to um, bring people to the church. I'm not about scare tactics. Tell the people the truth. Tell the people how you become saved. And if people feel in their heart that that music is not something they can identify with, then they should not go to the Beyonce concert. They should stay away from it. But just because music has some, you know, sexual undertones, since when can married people not have sex? I mean, you know, that music has purpose, okay? But uh, she is sort of like washing all that away. But again, I think that her point is to get attention. And her point is to go viral, which I don't think that the Lord likes that either. Like, do we, does the Lord like us putting stuff out there just to go viral? Like, it's not sincere. There's nothing you're saying that's truthful. You're basically making up lies just for attention and just to go viral. Some would say that's not Christian behavior either. Janine, are you ready to talk through some of these letters from our listeners? Let's do it. All right. So our first letter says, Nicole and Janine, I hope you ladies are off to an amazing year thus far. I'm writing because I am sick and tired of hypocritical people. My girlfriend and I have been together for almost a year now. We met at church one Sunday. She was fine. So I naturally asked her out. We have so much in common and I love her so much, but we haven't had intercourse yet. Since we met in church, I feel somewhat obligated to take it slow. She's hinting to wanting some, even rubbing on my man parts, if you know what I mean. However, last month, we went on a couple's retreat at church. After that, we discussed waiting until marriage because it was the right thing to do. I sighed and agreed. But last week, while I was out with the guys for our bachelor outing, I saw the pastor at the strip club walking into the private room. It was awkward because we made eye contact and he winked as if to say, let's keep this our little secret. I'm not saying that it's right to have sex before marriage, but I can't believe the pastor has women twerking for dollars while he's telling all of us single men to go to bed with a dry heart on. The more I think about it, the more I really don't want to follow his advice. Ladies, how should I approach the subject with my girlfriend? Should I bring up the pastor incident? Is it rude for me to even think of discussing premarital sex? I need a woman's perspective. Larry. Okay, Larry. So I have a lot to say about this, and I'm going to try to keep it as concise as possible. Larry, this pastor is a perfect example of why you have to be very mindful that your actions are not causing someone else to stumble and fail in their in their journey of Christianity and following the Lord. Because just that simple, you saw the pastor. You all were in the same place. You were in the strip club just like the pastor was, right? And you were fine. You were like, hey, we're gonna wait till marriage. You were good with this, right? You and and your your girlfriend, y'all are waiting for marriage. You were okay with it. Like, yeah, you, you know, you were struggling with it a little bit, but you were okay with it. And now, now that you've seen the pastor, 
you were like, well, now I don't want to I don't want to follow his advice because I I don't want to follow it. But Larry, let me remind you of this. You are not following the pastor. You are following the Lord. And the Bible says that man will fail you always, not some of the time. It says all the time. Right. So this is an example of how he allowed his flesh to fail him and subsequently, because of what you saw, fail you too. This is not confirmation that you don't need to wait for marriage, right? And I'm not saying that that's what you should do. I'm saying that you have to do what you are convicted by. This is why it's so important for you to have a relationship with the Lord, because you can't go based on what the pastor is saying. We know time and time again, these pastors will fail us because they are human and their flesh will fail them. So they're, of course, going to fail you. They're merely vessels for God to use to give a message to you. You are not to follow them. You are to follow Christ. So what you saw the pastor do is irrelevant to your journey and is also irrelevant to your journey with your girlfriend. And what you don't want to do is cause her to stumble in her journey with the Lord because you now done seen a pastor. Now, see how this is a trickle down effect, right? You saw the pastor. He was getting letting the ladies twerk for him for dollars. And now you're like, well, if the pastor can do it now, I can do it. Now you about to pass that on to your girlfriend. That's what you don't do. If you follow Christ, you will see that this is just merely an example of flesh failing you. And pastors, they send to. The Bible says we all sin and come short of the glory of God. All of us, not just us that are not pastors or called to the ministry. Everyone. Pastors are not exempt of this. We've seen pastors. They cheat. They lie. Sometimes they steal. Sometimes even go to jail. Sometimes they do all kinds of things. But that does not mean that God has not used them to deliver a message or a word to his people. It just means that they're also human. So, Larry, I say all of this to say Keep, continue on the journey that you had with your girlfriend to begin with and continue on with the, the path that you all have set forth. It's not about the pastor. And honestly, unless you feel like the pastor is leading others astray, the only person that I would have a conversation with this about or only people that I would have a conversation with this about are the pastor himself and the Lord. And pray and ask God like what you should do, because for me, I don't think that you should go outing the pastor, because guess what? It's not going to change what happened. He's not going to go back and get them dollars back and the girl ain't going to unshake her booty. That's not how that works. So what's the benefit of sharing all of the information with the other people in the congregation? It's not important. And it's not important for you to share with your girlfriend because from based on the way that you wrote the letter, the only reason that you would share it with her is to try to convince her that it's time for y'all to have sex before you know it's time for you not to have sex. So let's, let's let it go. If you want to talk to somebody about it, go talk to the pastor. Tell him how bothered you are. Write him the same letter you just wrote us. Tell him how you feel about it. Express your feelings. But don't go using this to convince your girlfriend that you need to have sex now before y'all get married. Don't do that. Don't, don't, don't perpetuate the nonsense, Larry. Don't do that. What you think, Nicole? All right, Pastor Janine, thank you for that message today. Because you broke it down, <laughs> you broke it down, girl. But um, no, I agree with you. I would say um, a couple of things I would add. One, 
I do think that he should tell his girlfriend, right? I think that, and I say that because I think that whoever you're with, because you say you know you're going to marry her, I would say have an open line of communication with who you're going to marry. There should be no secrets between the two of you guys. Hey, and it, it could be brought up, hey, babe, guess who I saw? In a strip club tonight, you know, the pastor. That may be a conversation that y'all need to have, especially if now you can't take the pastor seriously, okay? Yes, these pastors are vessels for the deliverance, uh, delivering messages that are sent from God. I completely get that. But if that vessel is not something that you can receive the message from, then maybe you got to go to another church, okay? And so that may be the conversation that you and your girlfriend may have. You met at this church, you know, hey, I don't really feel comfortable. I don't really trust this guy. He's sort of slimy. This is why. Maybe we should go start looking at other churches, okay? That is why I think he should talk to his girlfriend because I feel like relationships you really shouldn't be keeping secrets, especially if you're going to be at church zoned out and she's still all in the church. Like that's not gonna, that's not gonna work. Okay. Number two, if you guys decided that, and no, not the people that have sex before marriage, I'm not judging, but if you decided, Hey, we are both reading from the same Bible. We're on the same page and we've decided not to have sex before marriage, then stick to that. Now, if your flesh gets weak and her flesh gets weak and you're in the moment and something happens, that's different. Okay. But to sit down and have a conversation that says, you know what? I don't think we should wait until we get married uh, to have sex because the of uh, the pastor. Now that's just a bogus excuse. Like you're looking for an excuse. You're looking for a reason where that you want to break this commitment that the that the two of you guys have made. Okay. And then if you know you're gonna marry her and your flesh is so weak, well then wear the ring. <laughs> you know, uh nothing is stopping you from going to buy a ring and proposing if if in fact you sit there letting it burn, you know, like, go ahead and put a ring on it. Y'all so serious, and you know that you're going to marry her, but now you're thinking you don't want to wait until you get married. Well, then put a ring on it. Because if I was your girlfriend, we said we're waiting on marriage, and then you brought up sex, I'm going to say, well, when we get married. I'm just saying. You and me both, Nicole. Okay, let me get to my letter. Okay, so my letter says, hello, my sisters. I pray all is well with you both. I know this is a nuanced topic, but I want to know why you all think that it is okay to listen to secular music. Not trying to attack you two. I just want to hear a different viewpoint and maybe some advice. Personally, I felt convicted in my soul not to listen to secular music. For almost a decade now, I've decided that I didn't want to listen to it, but I continue having a moral dilemma. I've quit cold turkey and returned to listening. I've deleted my secular playlist. And before you know it, I've heard something that's drawn me back to my secular music. When I don't listen to secular music, I felt like it helped me be in a better mental space and it has drawn me closer to the Lord. But then I find myself craving music that speaks to the feelings of my physical being, but it doesn't speak to my soul. So I am conflicted. I try to have a healthy balance, but I find myself feeling guilty or even bothered when I give myself permission to indulge in secular music. Is it not good or is it not good for me? I don't know. I'd really appreciate your advice and insight on this. God bless, Cassandra. 
Cassandra, you know, everything is not for everybody, right? So you have to follow your gut and what what feels okay um, for you. For me, and, you know, I was raised in the church. I was initially Catholic. When I got married to my, you know, Baptist minister husband, I converted to Baptist. So for me, I've been Christian all my life. And I have listened to secular music all of my life. For me, it's how to get through the day, right? So I listen to music that I identify with. I listen to music that may get me through something I'm going through in my life. Um, I do listen to gospel music as well, but sometimes I I may want to put on some Adele because that's the mood I'm in and that's what's helping me get through a certain period of my life. Um, I may want to put rap music on even because that's how I'm feeling at this point. Now, if you're listening to music and it's changing you, okay, meaning if you listen to something and it's sort of kind of thoughtish and now you become the thought, but then you too easily influence. You don't need to listen to that kind of music. So you have to realize how music motivates you and how it changes your outlook on your day-to-day life. If it's going to change your outlook for the negative, then maybe you shouldn't be listening to negative secular music. And there is positive secular music that doesn't talk about, you know, God or Jesus, but still talks about things that are positive in life, okay, or getting you through the worst times of your life. And that's okay. It's just how some people cope and how people get through the day. And for me, that's how I cope and that's how I get through the day. And I'm not going to box myself in by just listening to one type of music. Just say, I'm going to only listen to gospel. I only listen to R&B. I only listen to to Neil. So I'm not going to do that. I'm going to listen to whatever I feel like I need to listen to. Now, that doesn't take God out of my life. Like if I don't listen to gospel music today, that doesn't mean I haven't prayed all day long, right? You still have your relationship with God. You should still be reading your scripture to make sure you are investing time with your relationship with God, in your relationship with God. That has nothing to do with the type of music or the mood that you're in at that point. Now I say that, but I have to pause and say, if in your spirit you are doing some negative things and you have some demons that you're dealing with, then maybe you need to push back, right? There's certain people, certain music reminds them of a time that they were doing something bad, right? And it may trigger them. So if you used to do drugs and you know you listen to a certain type of music doing drugs, well, then maybe you shouldn't be listening to that kind of music because maybe it may trigger the thought of you doing drugs. If you were an alcoholic and you were always hung with certain people that listen to certain music when you drank alcohol, well, maybe you shouldn't be listening to that type of music because that could trigger you. So there are exceptions to this rule. So don't listen to stuff that triggers you to do negative things, okay? But if you have a relationship with God, nothing can take that away, period. Nicole, I agree. And I think that the thing that I that was key in what you said was everything is not for everyone. All right, Johnny. So what did you learn new this week? So I learned that gospel music actually isn't a thing that was originated the way we thought. So it's originated as it was called spirituals and spirituals were originated in the 17th century, you know, back when we were enslaved and we were trying to get over, you know, how I got over. That's where the like origins of gospel music come from. But the term gospel music was actually coined in Scotland in the 17th century post, you know, spiritual music, spirituals that we had 
the term gospel was coined in Scotland, which is pretty interesting because, you know, I figured that it would be coined somewhere else. But spiritual sub-Saharan Africa, gospel, Scotland. But the interesting thing is that gospel has influenced almost every other genre of music, particularly black music. So all this R&B, pop, rap, all of that that you hear has been influenced by gospel music or spiritual music. And now, Nicole, there are several genres of gospel music. So there's traditional gospel, contemporary gospel, there's country gospel, there's gospel rap, there's even British gospel. And that's just naming a few because there's a whole bunch of different, you know, there's CCM music, which is contemporary Christian. There's a bunch. There's a bunch of music that speaks to our relationship with the Lord. So for everyone who would just like to listen to non-secular music, there's a bunch of gospel out there for you to listen to and there's spirituals as well. And if you would like to veer a little bit more edgy, there's inspirational music. So that's also a genre. It was interesting to, to figure out that, you know, most of the music that we're claiming is secular music actually originated or is somehow originated from gospel music. What did you learn new this week, Nicole? So I learned that according to the Urban Ministry Institute, approximately 40% of pastors have had extramarital affairs. And the sad part is I'm not even surprised. Mm-mm, not one bit. And it's 40% based on the ones that they reported and admitted to the extramarital affair. Just saying. Correct. Y'all, don't follow the man. Follow Christ. All right. So you ready for the motivational moment? Yes, ma'am. And it comes from Carrie Washington. And she said, I realized that I don't have to be perfect. All I have to do is show up and enjoy the messy, imperfect, and beautiful journey of my life. So ladies, don't worry about what other people say. Everyone is going to judge you. We already know this. Just do what makes you feel good in your heart and live your life how you want. Until we meet again. Pray. Work, slay, and show off your melanated excellence. Bye! Oh, That's Deep Black Women Conversations is produced by Nicole Lee Plenty and Janine Brunson Johnson. Executive producer Ken Johnson. Get the Oh, That's Deep Black Women Conversation podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or where you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate us. You can follow Oh That's Deep Black Women Conversations on IG at Oh That's Deep BWC. Oh That's Deep Black Women Conversations is a Mean Old Lion Media production.